I think when you pique people's curiosity or even take it to the point of where you help them make a connection, why is something special? Why is something important? Then they begin to care. Thanks for joining us today. You're listening to Choose to be Curious, a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton. Welcome. Come, choose to be curious with us. This is what morning sounds like from my balcony, a delightful mix of bird chatter, burbling pond in the courtyard below me, nearby buildings HVAC kicking in, traffic both near and far, the nettle and carillon marking the hour, planes coming and going from National Park. And this morning, I was greeted with a sure sign of the times, practice for the Summertime Weekly's Sunset Parade at the Marine Corps Memorial. Every place has a soundscape. It's signature bleeps and squeaks that fully blindfolded, you would know were the sounds of home, even if you'd never really paid much attention to them. But I'm going to encourage you to pay attention, to be curious about what's special, perhaps unique, about what you hear from your front steps as you walk out into your community. What does it tell you about the place, its history, the people with whom you share that space. Soundscapes are on my mind for a whole host of reasons. Among them, I just finished reading Gretchen Rubin's new book, Life in Five Senses, How Exploring the Senses Got Me Out of My Head and Into the World. A light romp through sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch that, more than anything else, makes the case for tuning in to our surroundings. It reminded me of the wonderful curiosity practice shared by yoga teacher Jen Seif. Five, 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 in any moment, especially when you feel anxious or out of sorts, pause and notice. What are the first five things you see, the first five things you hear, and the first five things you feel? The birds, the breeze, the way the leaves move, the rain on your face, It's amazing how quickly that little exercise will ground you. I recommend it. There's a lot of research supporting the value of what's called environmental attunement to our collective health and well-being, which was one of the many things that drew me to Dina Pavlis. Dina has lived and played on the Oregon coast for over 20 years. She's an avid hiker, outdoor enthusiast, a nature photographer. She's also producer and host of the syndicated radio show, Beyond Your Front Door Northwest, a coastal adventure guide that airs weekly in the Pacific Northwest. I got to know Dina's work through the wonderful community radio stations in coastal Oregon and Washington that carry her show and mine. Killer whales, honeybees, walking dunes, hugging trees. She's your guide or she's got one for you. Dina is also a volunteer interpretive ranger with the U.S. Forest Service and author of the book, Secrets of the Oregon Dunes. 
she knows a thing or two about environmental attunement. I live literally on the other side of the continent, but she has succeeded in whetting my appetite for a region I didn't know much about. She piqued my curiosity big time. And although her show purports to be about place, every conversation elicits something about the people, why they've come, what they love about what they've found. I can't imagine a better thought partner to explore what choosing to be curious about the adventures to be had and the lessons to be learned and the people to be met if we can be get beyond our literal and figurative front door. So welcome, Dina. Thank you so much, Lynn. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. So I have to ask, what drew you to Florence, Oregon, and what do you love about it? Well, it was interesting to hear your introduction today about sights and sounds and just being out in nature because my first visit to the Oregon coast was to visit my brother who had moved here from Colorado. And as we were driving down the road, there was a giant hill of sand in an area where they were getting ready to build a store. The store hadn't been built yet. And so being a curious person, I said <laughs> to him, what's that giant hill of sand? And he said, oh, we have dunes around here. I'll take you there tomorrow and you can visit them. So the next day was a typical winter stormy day here on the coast, 100 mile an hour gusts right on the coast, you know, 60 to 70 here in town and pouring rain. And we drove down to the dunes and we had our little measly rain gear on that was nothing for this storm. And we walked out into this place and I just, it was wild. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. I truly felt it was something I don't I don't even really know how to experience it. It was like life changing to walk out in this area of just miles of sand and giant dunes with these, you know, 80, 100 mile an hour gusts. We literally would have to like hold on to wow. things like when these gusts would come. And I just I looked at my husband who was with me and my brother and I just thought. This is something I have to do every day. I can't just do this once in my life. I need to do this every day. And after that trip, there were many more visits like that during this trip. We went up to Cape Perpetua, which is like a forested area. And same thing, huge storms that day, you know, under these giant, giant spruce trees blowing in the wind and the coastal breeze. And I just knew that I needed something different. You know, I was mm -hmm. working in the on the 40th floor of a high-rise building in downtown Seattle, driving in traffic every day. <laughs> I was had become sick from the stress of my job and I'd been in a wheelchair for a while. I was and I thought wow. this is what I want out of my life. When I'm on my deathbed, I don't want to say I'm glad I worked on the 40th floor of <laughs> you know, the Washington Mutual Tower. I want to say I'm glad I walked on these windswept dunes on stormy days. And and I may not be able to walk when I'm older. I don't know because of this illness I had had. And so I said to my husband, I want to move to the Oregon coast. And well, we did it. In five years, we made a plan. Wow. So You've given me a feel, actually, for my next question, which was, how would you describe the soundscape in Florence? 
It obviously involves wind. <laughs> yes. And wind is the story here on the coast. We have wind, of course, these huge storms in the summer that are so loud. It can be deafening outside to just wow. hear the trees blowing and the waves crashing. The thing about here, if you're from, for example, if you're from Southern California, right, where you have the beach and you have a wave and then quiet. So you have a crash mm -hmm. of a wave and then silence and then a crash of a wave. It's beautiful. Well, up here, you have about five to 10 breaks going at any time. So it's just a constant roar from the ocean. And depending on which way the wind is blowing, sometimes it's louder, sometimes it's, it's more quiet. And then in the summer, we actually also have wind because what happens is when it heats up in the valley, like in the in the Willamette Valley where Eugene is in Corvallis, and it gets hot there, it creates a convection type effect that pulls this cool that air off the ocean. And that is why we have dunes, because uh -huh. anywhere that our coast is flat, that wind will carry that sand inland when it's dry like that. And so, yes, so wind I would say wind is the soundscape. Wind and roaring waves and singing birds, rushing rivers. There's everywhere you go, there's nature. And one of the great things about the Oregon coast is there are so many places you can still go and be alone. Mm. It's not crowded. I mean, it's crowded, but it's not crowded everywhere. You can be alone in nature and just listen. So what's so interesting about that is I've been enjoying your show so much, and I know you were inspired to produce it to sort of underscore that people have more in common than maybe what separates us. And I'm wondering, given what you've just said, whether exploring place is particularly good as an entry point for connectivity with people Maybe especially if there aren't too many of them around. <laughs> you know, that's a really good question. And I think it might depend on the person. I think it's, yes, it's a, there's a connection, but I think the connection can be different depending on the people. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I'm very extroverted, as you can tell by all the talking <laughs> that I do. And I have this passion and I love to share. And so if I'm with a group of people that are also interested in sharing and learning from each other, then there's that connection, right? There's like, right. oh, look at this plant. Oh, look at that. But then I have some very close friends that are very introverted. And my connection on the dunes with them might be one of silence. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be not even the dunes, but just anywhere that we hike. It might be a different type of connection. So yes, it's a connection, but a different type. Mm -hmm. Before there was beyond your front door, there was Surf City Dog Training <laughs> and a program you developed called Walk Like a Dog. And I hasten to add, way ahead of and in no way related to the recent viral TikToks of the same name, just saying. <laughs> oh, I didn't even Which, know about those. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh look it up. <laughs> okay. Look it up. Which aimed to help people follow their dog's lead engaging with the natural environment, slowing down, sniffing, finding, as you put it, stillness and being in the moment. And I, I see a real through line here from that to what you're doing now. Yes? 
Yes, I think so. You know, with the dog training, it was about, I I had a question to myself of how can I help people connect to their dogs and build a relationship with their dog versus a type of relationship where I'm in control and you will do what I say all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Dogs are sentient beings. They have certain needs. And so how can we allow them to also have their needs, which is sniffing and exploring, but at the same time, create an experience for the the human on the other end of the leash. And so what I tried to do was kind of combine walking meditation, right? Going out, being able to set aside all the thoughts that are bombarding us all day long and just being in the moment, but then also being in the moment with our dog, right? For those of us who really love to be out with our dogs, I'm one of those people. And yeah, so giving, allowing the dog to have that experience, you know, dogs, They are when they're out there walking around, if I watch my dog, whether she's on leash or off leash, she's not worried about, you know, what happened, you know, 10 minutes ago or yesterday or what she's got to do tomorrow. She (laughs) cares about like the scent that's on the ground and what's happening right now. And then, oh, there's a sound over there. What's going on over there? She's in the moment. Mm -hmm. And it's such a freeing place to be if we can shut our minds off for just a little bit and I'm one of those people that I can't just do breathing. It doesn't work for me because then I start thinking, oh, I shouldn't be thinking about this because I should be breathing and clearing my mind. And then that sets me off on a whole trajectory. But if I can go out in nature and focus on just listening to the wind or listening to the birds or looking at a flower without a judgment, just looking at the shape yeah. of the petals and the color and, you know, not whether it's beautiful or not beautiful or that type of thing, but just freeing my mind from judgment all the time and the thoughts, it's really freeing. And that's what I really like about being out in nature. It gives me that experience. It allows me to do that meditation, to clear my mind and just focus on where I am at the moment, at that exact moment. You're listening to Choose to be Curious, conversations about curiosity in work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and I'm joined today by fellow radio producer and host, Dina Pavlis of Beyond Your Front Door Northwest. We're exploring exploration and the power of curiosity to open our worlds. Your show gives people multiple, multiple, multiple ways to enter in to nature. I mean, it may be in their backyard, It may be far-flung trails, but it also gives people, I guess, some language to sort of understand what they're seeing. And I heard heard someone make a case once that if we know the names for a thing, we treat them better. Uh, We have greater respect if we know their names. And I'm wondering if you think that getting out helps us not just with that familiarity with the natural world, but respect for the natural world as well. Yeah, I think if you go out and you have a connection, Mm -hmm. that's when you begin to have a respect and a care for the natural world. And that's one of the goals of my show is it's, to me, yes, naming, but I think more than name, it's an understanding. It's a, you know, why is this 
animal or plant or ecosystem special or important? What's so exciting about it, right? What makes it exciting? And it's like every year I volunteer taking kids out on the dunes. And I love that. And part of what I do is we take a hike, a nature hike, but I also just want to let the kids have fun, right? Like, you know, let them just run and roll down a hill and do those things that connect them to that place and make it special, right? Because then you do care. You're like, oh, I do care that, you know, the dunes are disappearing, or I do care about those animals or those plants. And, you know, so I think, yes, it's the caring comes with the connection. Mm -hmm. And one of the goals of my show, I hope, is to give people, as you say, different ways to connect. What works for me going out and trudging up and down, you know, these, you know, (laughs) hundred foot dunes of soft sand isn't going to be for everyone, right? So, how can I, how, it's not even, how can I present nature in a way that makes it accessible, no matter who Uh you are and what your capabilities and interests are? So, okay. So let me geek out a little bit, one producer to another. So which comes first, your own curiosity or your audience curiosity for choosing your shows? I have to say, I think it's my own curiosity Uh comes first. And It's hard for me to want to do a show on something that I'm not very interested in. Um, So (laughs) How very human of you. Yeah, it is very human. And I'll just admit that. I mean, like, uh, and certainly when I'm looking for guests, I am thinking, wow, you know, this story about European green crabs, that may really interest people who crab or people who fish, right? So, yes, I'm also looking for things that would be of interest to my audience, But I'm so interested in so much of what is here that, I mean, that's a really hard, I guess that's a hard question to answer because I'm kind of curious about everything, I mean, along the coast and learning about it. And there hasn't been a show or a guest that I've had that hasn't surprised me in something, more than one thing usually, that I learn during the show. I actually think that that's one of the things that's kind of charming about your show. First of all, your enthusiasm is palpable, which is always delightful. But also, you've been exploring this region for 20 years. You've made yourself a real student of it. But you're also gleeful (laughs) when people tell you something you didn't know, which is really kind of cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, I it's so exciting to just, you know, there's so much. I think that's the thing. Uh-huh. There's so much I don't know. I don't even know what I don't know. And, you know, so I think that's just being open to that also of like, I don't know what I don't know. And also, sometimes I think I know something and I'm wrong, right? Yeah. And so I, I just, I love to learn. It's just, it's what makes me want to get up every day you know, is learning something new or seeing something different. I love it. So you're an advocate for the Oregon dunes, which I am now desperate to see, I just have to tell you. (laughs) So how does piquing others' curiosity about the dunes potentially help in their preservation? Because I know that's a real concern. Yeah, the Oregon dunes are disappearing at a rapid rate. We're losing about five feet of open sand per year on average. And 
mainly it has to do with invasive plants, which is a long story Mm. that I won't take time to go into here unless you want me to. But I think when you pique people's curiosity or even take it to the point of where you help them make a connection, why is something special? Why is something important? Then they begin to care. And people can care in different ways. Not everybody has to come out there and pull invasive plants. Not everybody has to donate money. Maybe they can. Mm -hmm. Simply sharing the story is a way to help create action. And Mm -hmm. showing Mm -hmm. that you care about something helps government agencies decide where to put money and time. There are a lot of people who care about this and who are using this. They call it the resource. I don't like that word, but I'll just say (laughs) the resource. So let's put time and money here. Right. Uh And so, yes, I think helping people make a connection to the wild things around them helps all wild things helps it helps us too because again it takes us back to that that ability to free our mind of all the constant barrage of information that we're getting every day you know that's yanking us left and right and up and down with our emotions and you know so it's a gift that we have this nature and preserving it is becoming more, well, it's maybe not more critical than it ever was, but is critical. You know, I collect what I call curiosity practices, ways that people bring curiosity into their lives or invite others to experience curiosity. And I I came across your contributions to the Oregon Coast Quests. Yes. Um, which sounds like a treasure hunt on the Oregon Coast. Very cool. And I'm wondering if you have other practices that would fall into that category of what I call curiosity practices. This is a hard question for me to answer, and I'll tell you why. I think it's wrapped up with just who I am. So (laughs) I don't necessarily think that I even know that I'm being curious. Does that make sense? It It does, actually just how I approach my life. So mm-hmm. I am a geocacher, although I haven't geocached for a while, um, the Oregon Coast Quest. But every day to me is an adventure in discovery and curiosity. I mean, I walk my dog every day. If you were on my Facebook page, it's almost should just be my dog's page because it's my dog posts every day. She has a post every day about what her adventure was. They're and lovely, just for the record. <laughs> thank you. And so, you know, a lot of times I walk the same route, right? Like I walk the mm-hmm. same route through our old town. We have an old town right on the river. It's beautiful. But every day there's something to see. I mean, even if I'm looking at the same landscape down at the port, it's different every day because the clouds might be different or the people who are down there are different. And so it's hard for me to answer that question, I think, because I think just as much as I think I teach without realizing that I'm teaching, I'm curious without realizing I'm curious. It's just Mm. who I am. I get that. Before I let you go, I want to invite you into a little curiosity practice I have with my big jar of wannabe analogies. Okay. I'm super excited. I'm excited about this. Okay. This is a literal big jar. I have slips of paper in here and I've taken out three, one for you, one for me, and one for 
the audience. So yours is booster seat. How is curiosity like a booster seat? And mine is bumper car. (laughs) I'm glad I got booster seat and not bumper car. (laughs) Well, do you want to take a shot first or do you want me to go first? I'm happy to go first. Um, I will. I think when I think of a booster seat, I think of being raised up to have a different view. You are being lifted up to be able to see the world from a different vantage point or viewpoint. And I think that's really what getting out in nature is about, right? It is, again, even if you're walking the same path every day, you're looking at it from a different way. Or get your cell phone camera out, you know, and look through the lens that way. Or make your own little lens with your fingers or it's, you know, walk up to the top of a dune, walk up these steps that you see, or for example, at the port, walk down the ramp and get down to the river level and then go up above and look at it from up above. And I think Mm. that's what a booster seat is. It's creating a new perspective and opening up the world to you. I love it. I love it. That's a great. So bumper car, different kind of vibe than a booster seat. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to say that with a boost, with a bumper car, we we get in and it's totally about going for the ride. And I think curiosity is sort of the same thing. You kind of bump into stuff. You kind of change directions. It can sometimes feel a little chaotic. But I think if we allow ourselves to go for the ride, that's where the fun is in bumper cars and in curiosity. That's what I'll say. I love that. And audience, yours is banana. Mm. How is curiosity like a banana? Ooh, they got a good so, one. Yeah, they did. That's a really they good did. one. I did. So let us know. How is curiosity like a banana? Hashtag analogy. So Dina, thank you so much for this. This has been a lot of fun and I can't wait to see where you take us all next. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be on your show because I just think your show is so special. And really, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and just share about my own curiosity and my own passions. So thank you. You've been listening to Choose to be Curious. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and my guest today was Dina Pavlis. We explored not just curiosity in work and life, but out and about. You can find all my episodes at my website at choosetobecurious.com. Of course, here on this fine community radio station, I hope you'll follow me here as well as online and social media at Choose to be Curious, where you can share your banana analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Dina Pavlis. Links to Beyond Your Front Door Northwest on my website. Thanks, too, to Sean Ballack for our theme music. And this is Celestial Navigation by Aeronaut via Blue Dot Sessions. So, what's your soundscape? I hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, choose to be curious. Curious.